Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 156 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 156, that's the adjusted ERA currently of Jake McGee. Jake McGee's a pretty good reliever. Oh, you know, I was thinking, what are you going to go with for 156? And I would think, well, number of victories for the Giants this season, of course. <laughs> it feels like that. It feels, uh, you know, 150, or here's a different question. 156 wins, uh, first or second in the power rankings. <laughs> right. So so uh, the, the way our power rankings work, uh, dear listener, uh, since you don't have access to the Google Doc, uh, basically, you know, we're all supposed to go in. And I think I would say that some of us are pretty religious about it. Some of us are pretty sporadic about it. But they just try to get a quorum, a representative sample. Um, and that probably maybe 25 people end up submitting uh, their rankings into this Google Doc. And then it just weights the average of all the, of all the, um, of all the rankings. And so here's the problem. Every single person has the Dodgers one or two. I mean, you can't have the Dodgers lower than two. You just can't. Um, there were a couple people that still have the Giants three or four, and that just weights down the average, and it made the, the Dodgers uh, um, just sort of sneak past them a little bit. I think more people still have the Giants ranked first, but it's that that differentiation of nobody's going to rank the Giants lower than second, but a, or the Dodgers lower than second, but a couple people did. And so that is how um, we came to this completely arbitrary um, and contrived uh, ranking that has the Dodgers slipping ahead of the Giants. And I have to admit, I am one of the more sporadic uh, uh, rankers. Uh, it just it, the rankings are due on Sunday and Sunday. I'm usually hither or thither and I forget. And then I go, oh, and so if you're expecting me to boost the Giants rankings, uh, well, first off, you don't know how I'm going to vote, pal. Uh, but second, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, you know, I, I'm very unreliable. So blame me a little bit. But it's not just the athletic. It's MLB. It's like every power ranking CBS. Uh, they just like to have the Dodgers number one. And I, I can tell that your pets are worked up about it. Yes. Yeah, so, dear listener, let me tell you what is uh, going on in my house. Uh, right now, I have a puppy. Uh, the puppy is three months old, maybe two and a half. It is a delightful puppy. We don't know what kind of puppy. It's a rescue. It's a mix. Um, it is sweet. It sleeps through the night. It goes into its own crate at 830. Uh, my three-year-old dog just barks at it and barks at it and barks at it. And so we're trying to figure this out. Uh, we have a shot collar, but I'm going to give the shot collar to my 12 year old uh so i need to order another shot caller um you know there's a lot uh, please don't take that as serious readers don't call cps i'm <laughs> kidding about the shot calls. but anyways you might hear some barking in the background uh it is 
uh, unavoidable. We're trying our best, but whoopsie doodle. Barking Literally. in the background. You can just imagine imagine that Piper's barking at the power rankings. But you know what? It is. <laughs> I, I make fun of the power rankings because they are completely, you know, contrived. And and it is, you know, we're, we're a content organization. Some things are going to be very deep and meaningful that we hope you put a lot of thought into and, and change the way you think about things. And, and some things are going to be just infotainment. And But I'll tell you what. As someone who only reads the power rankings, I'm not going to poke fun at them too much because I know what a bear they are to do uh, because I know you've done them and I've talked about them. And, and it's, it's, it is an exercise. And not only that, I, I, I find them really helpful to read because it, 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 I think a lot of people will, will – when they put them together, it will be a clearinghouse for a lot of links for stories about all the other teams. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, baseball fans I think tend to be a little provincial and, and maybe don't get outside the bubble and might miss a really good feature about you know uh, the Diamondbacks pitcher who threw a no-hitter or, or, or a really good trend story. And, and I think uh, a lot of – when you guys put those together, um, you really, really do a great job of, of – you know, sort of cultivating and, and collating uh, those links for all those stories that you might have missed. So I, I, I find them very helpful to read, actually. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And it's also like I, I do the power rankings, I think, about once a month and they are like an incredible bear. It's just a lot. You're writing 3000 words. Uh, the editors aren't keen on 3000 words, but there's only way to do it when you're writing these capsules for each team. Uh, but before the season, like a week before the season, maybe two, uh, they approached me and they said, hey, do you want to do the baseball barista with Hunter Pence? And I said, sure. You know, I would I'd love to talk to Hunter Pence in a podcast. And I'm thinking in my head, or what are we going to talk about? Are going to talk about like playing day stuff, like technical baseball stuff. It turns out that like Hunter is really, really into baseball. And he wants to talk about when he's excited about the Braves, he wants to talk about the Braves. He wants to talk about Charlie Morton. He wants to talk about this. If I weren't doing the power rankings regularly, I would be such a goofball on that show. I'd be all, uh, yeah, the Reds. Uh, uh, let's see, who did it? Matt Latos, is he still on the Reds? Like, I would have no idea. So I'm very happy to have the power rankings because I feel like for the first time in a couple of years, like I'm up on baseball. Like I can, I can chat about baseball. Yes, yes, I agree. Joey Votto was fantastic before he retired <laughs> six years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's just too many teams. And that's, listen, baseball now is the perfect sport for diving into your team. There's 30 teams. There's 162 games. If you can keep up with all of that, bless you. But for the most part, if you're in, you're in on the Giants and you're going to dig down until you find the Bags and Brisbee podcast. And that's what we're here for. We're here for the minutia. We're here to get those go get those folks. OK, so I guess we should start to set up uh, where we are now. We're about to uh, kick off uh, a road trip, East Coast road trip. I'm in my little shoebox uh, hotel room in New York. Uh, if you go to New York, expect your hotel to be um, basically a, a tiny little glass case. Uh, it's it's not uh, you don't get a whole lot of elbow room here. But I tell you what, I got out early. I had myself a big old bagel sandwich for breakfast. I walked the whole length of a High Line. It's it is it is warm today. It's going to get up to ninety one degrees, Ooh. and uh, Sammy Long is going to be on the mound, followed by Johnny Cueto uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on. Tuesday. And you know, it's it's going to be a challenge of a trip against the Mets and the Braves. And I think it's going to be a really important trip for the Giants rotation. Um, 
you know, because I think that they, they need to start getting some length out of these guys. And, and, and they're not necessarily starting this road trip with Kevin Gaussman and, and Logan Webb. They're starting it with Sammy Long and Johnny Cueto and Alex Woods. So uh, so that, that I think that'll be probably one of the bigger how, – how the rotation fares in these first three games might really set the tone for just how this whole trip goes. I agree. I agree 100%. It also feels like, though, uh, for a long time I've been focused on uh, the schedule. And I've been like, oh, gosh, you know, the, the Mets are coming in. Then you got the, the A's. Then you have the Brewers and, oh, gosh, you know, the Astros, the Dodgers and the Giants just sort of win every single one of those series. And, you know, and I've also been focused on the rotation. You know, I've been worried, gosh, you know, the Giants aren't going to get six, seven innings from these guys. And and they haven't pitched 100 innings, 200 innings in, the, in, in recent history. So there's going to be an issue there. And you know what? Both of those things happen. The Giants did have a tough schedule. The Giants rotation has sputtered a little bit in the second half. Just keep winning. Like these concerns that I had were legitimate and they were true. And also it didn't quite matter. The Giants keep winning. Yeah. You know, when I'm looking at, okay, what are you watching out for? What are you concerned about? And I know that it's it's really easy to look at the schedule and say, well, they've got, you know, a tough slate of opponents here coming up. Um, but I, I really think that it's more internal. I, I think it's about just what the Giants do and how they play. And if they start to go sideways in any form or fashion, I don't think it matters who they play because they're 38 and 20. 25 on the road. They're 42 and 19 at home. You know, are they beating the teams they're supposed to beat? Uh, let's check in with the Diamondbacks about that. Yes, <laughs> they've beaten the crap out of the Diamondbacks this year. Are they uh, being competitive against uh, you know the good teams even on the road? Yeah, they they took series from the Astros, from the Brewers, um, you know, so uh, from the A's. Uh, so they're beating good teams. They're beating bad teams. And to me, the hardest part of the schedule was that chunk in like uh, after you know. I forget when it was, but I think they had something like a 35 game stretch and 17 of the games were against the Dodgers. Uh, and to me that, I mean, that there's no tougher opponent to face than the Dodgers and they came through that part of the schedule. So uh, not to say that they're going to coast or that it's downhill from here by any stretch. We, we know that, you know, they can't let their foot off the gas at all because the Dodgers are still right behind them. But I, I just, I don't really look so much at the schedule and who the opponent is as much as I look at how the Giants have played because they've met every challenge. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, the Giants have played 18 teams this season. Uh, they have a winning record against 14 of those teams. They're tied against the Dodgers. They have losing records against the Pirates, Mariners, and Cardinals. Uh, well, that's of a course. Weird- 
That's a weird selection. That's a very weird selection. But, you know, you look for the holes and, and it's, well, are they good? Are they bad against the good teams? You know, they're six and one against the Reds, two and one against the Astros. They're uh, two and one against the Brewers, you know, the four and two against the A's. And then you go, well, you know, maybe it was just a hot stretch in the beginning. No, they were 16 and 10 in April, 18 and 10 in May, 16 and nine in June, 15 and 10 in July, 15 and five in August. Like their worst month is a 600 winning percentage. You try and poke holes in this and it's just hard to do and everyone keeps waiting for the other shoe to drop and maybe it will but it, it, we're like late August now this is a pretty darn consistent team yeah and the Dodgers have won nine of their last ten and they picked up two games and that's it uh, over the last 20 the Dodgers are 16 and four you think well there's no holding that team off well the Giants are 15 and five uh, <laughs> you know 21 and nine versus 20 and 10 the one thing that's really weird when you look at the the records broken down for the Dodgers and Giants is that the Dodgers are three and 12 in extra innings and we we know that extra innings are, are pretty hinky with a runner at second base. So you wonder if that would be different uh, without the wrinkle in the rules. But that just tells you how good the Dodgers are. They've got nine extra inning losses and they're 78 and 47. I mean, that that's this is the team the Giants are trying to hold off. Basically one of the best teams pretty much ever assembled, despite all the things that have gone wrong for them. And uh, that's just really, really remarkable. I mean, it's it's when you look at, at, at the fact the Giants are 80 and 44, and what do they have to do over these next, the final 38 games to be a 100-win team? They have to go 20 and 18. That's it. They have to play two games over 500 uh, the rest of the way to be a 100-win team. And if they go 20 and 18, I don't think they're winning the division. So that, that's that's what this race is. It's it's going to be one of the all-time great division races, I think. It is, you know, reminiscent of the 1993 race. And everyone sort of groans, goes, oh, no, not 1993, because that was one of the more painful seasons in Giants history. Uh, but this is different because there is the safety net of the wild card. And say what you will about the wild card, uh, the 1993 Giants deserved better. They deserved a lot better. And I, they, that was a very good team, but there are parallels to that team and this team uh, insofar as 1992, the Giants weren't very good. They weren't expected uh, to do much in 1993. They had a real strong uh, defensive core. Like there were, there were kind of parallels to that. Uh, the difference is is that the the worst case scenario in this September, and I haven't run the numbers to see what would happen if, if you copied uh, the 2018 September and pasted it into 2021, but in a worst case September, uh, September, the Giants are still going to at least be the wild card, which makes it different from 93. Yeah. So, hey, who are you saltier uh, against more from Rockies. 1993? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, Padres, Padres have my ire. I, I let me so set up your question. I'm sorry. The listener might not know. OK, so the Atlanta Braves in 1993 won the games and finished first in the National League West. 104 and 58 they did. Um, and if you look at their schedule and results, um, the Rockies did not play well against them at all. Uh, let me see what exactly was. Oh, yes. Oh, it's oh good. and 13. Oh, uh-huh. and 13. They were outscored 106 to 50. So, yeah, if the Rockies had just won one measly game, uh, you know, then you'd have a, a, a different outcome. But then the Padres traded them Fred, the Braves' Fred McGriff, which, who was basically the MVP for the last two months of the season. So you could be a little salty at both of those teams. Yeah, that is true. Padres didn't get a real great return for Fred McGriff. So that is bothersome. But at the same time, it's a team trying to make a trade. You can kind of understand, okay, they're going for it. No one expects Fred McGriff to go uh, completely bananas the way he did. The Rockies just needed to, to win one game. I mean, the Diamondbacks 
have won twice against the Giants this year. It's not impossible to win one stinking game, and the Rockies just couldn't do it. Yeah, so hey, what was the return for Fred McGriff? Shall we look that up? Uh, what are the Padres? I remember hit? Melvin Nieves. That is the one name that sticks in my head. There were three players. The other two were Vince Moore, of course, never made the majors, and Donnie Elliott. I, I loved oh, the yes. movie. I, 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 I will sometimes I'll dance whenever that that music comes on. <laughs> oh, and the Padres uh, traded Roberto Alomar to get Fred McGriff in the first place. So, uh, gosh, what are you doing, Padres? The Padres, Ooh. and what are the Padres doing right now? What I, I mean, I guess they have. So much talent on the IL as far as the rotation. Uh, but boy, I did not see this coming right now. I know you hate the, the postseason odds uh, and for good reason. At the same time, when I look at baseball reference, their playoff odds are down to 16.7% to make the postseason, which is not where they were before the, the season started. It's not where they were in May. You know, it's crazy because I, I, I look at the ledger of all of the things that have gone wrong for the Padres. But then I look at the ledger for all the things that have gone wrong for the Dodgers. And they're, they're kind of not too different. I mean, if you could, if you sort of just were to think at the very beginning of the season and I were to tell you what would happen to Denelson Lamette and, um, you know, you uh, uh, Darvish and uh, some of the guys who've gotten hurt for the Padres, especially on the pitching side. And then I compare it against, okay, Cody Bellinger is basically going to hit a buck 50 all year and Mookie Betts is going to be nicked up and not himself. And uh, and Clayton Kershaw is going to be out and, and May is going to require Tommy John surgery. You'd almost think, well, the Dodgers are going to be a little more, more hamstrung than than the Padres here, but and yet it hasn't affected the Dodgers. It's just remarkable. Yeah, I mean, the Padres are fighting for their life. Uh, they are currently out of postseason position. They're behind both the Dodgers and the Reds right now. Uh, the Braves uh, are in first place in the East, and that means that there's going to be a second place team in the East that has a chance to catch the Padres, whether it's the Phillies or the Mets. The Cardinals are hanging around. So the Padres really have to scrap. In that, if I'm a Giants fan, that concerns me because the Padres have a lot of games against the Giants remaining and you know that should concern Padres fans too uh, but at the same time I like they're going to be a little little bit hungry they're going to be like a you know a badger in the corner all nicked up and maybe a little rabid and I don't want to pick that thing up yeah no I I, I hear you and it, it it's going to be interesting if the Padres don't make the postseason you know I think even with uh, all the time he's missed uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. leads the National League in offensive war and I did listen to your last podcast with uh, with Hunter Pence and you guys talked a little bit about the NL MVP race and it is a bit wild. I'm actually checking out the wins above replacement right now and Shohei Otani is number one in the major leagues because he <laughs> contributes on both sides. The guy who's number two is Wade Miley of the Cincinnati Reds. I'm like, yeah. what? Oh, okay. Um, I didn't really see that coming, but uh, but most of it is from the pitching side. You've got, you know, Walker Bueller is probably going to be on my MVP ballot. Uh, uh, Max Muncy is going to be on my MVP ballot. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler is a guy who who could get some some uh, attention. Uh, Bryce Harper's having a good second half. But I just, I don't know. I'm not seeing anyone who I can really think, and not just from a narrative-driven standpoint, but it's just such a steady two-way consistent contributor to, to to winning games as Brandon Crawford. And I know maybe the, the overall numbers don't sing MVP compared to some other people, but I, I think if he finishes strong, he, he could end up being the favorite. Yeah, I, I don't disagree because you ha you do have, you know, capital and narratives working. And if the Padres do finish out of the postseason and you have Tatis missing a, a chunk of time, 
his war is going to be up there. You you know that already. Uh, he, even if he doesn't have that many games played or that many at bats, he is, you know, his OPS is over a thousand. He plays a fantastic shortstop when he's physically able to. He's just like an electric, fantastic player. So, so good. But, you know, if the Padres finish out of the postseason, you're going to have a lot of voters say, I just don't know about that. Let me see who else might be there. Uh, oh, Brandon Crawford is, is hitting 300. He's got 20 home runs. He's playing gold glove caliber defense. He is reliable, plays every day. I don't know. Maybe this is the guy. And I don't think he'll be on an island with that. I think he, if he if he has a strong finish, he will be very much in the mix. Being the most valuable player on the team with the best record in baseball, if that's where the Giants can finish, I think is a pretty powerful thing. Um, being a guy who can really lead your team to a late surge and get you into the postseason is sort of our other kind of common MVP narrative. And that's where Joey Votto could come in and, and sneak away with this thing mm. uh, because he's just been on fire the second half. It reminds me of, um, I, I guess, a, a good example would be Chipper Jones. It wasn't even on the MVP radar one of the years he won it. And he just had an amazing September and, and lifted the Braves into the postseason. And, and then uh, that was kind of like, okay, yeah, the guy who made the difference and got their team in the playoffs was Chipper Jones. So here is your shiny MVP trophy. And it, you know, you could say, well, that's not what the way you should uh, award this thing. You have to look at the entire season and a game in September shouldn't mean more than a game in April. But I mean, we are storytellers. We do tell stories and we do um, look at, you know, value is, is subjective as much as it's objective, I think. And, you know, same thing with fame and the hall of fame. So I, I think it's perfectly, legitimate to break down the numbers and value the numbers and challenge every perception that you have with the numbers, but also look at just, you know, who was the biggest difference maker? That that to me is the MVP. And, and I think right now, maybe it is Brandon Crawford. Do you have any asbestos handy in an asbestos suit next to you? Because I, I got a hot take coming. I do not. Although I can tell you that if you want to abate a 1600 square foot house of asbestos, <laughs> it's going to be the least fun $10,000 you ever spend. <laughs> Oh, uh, I spent uh, five thousand on rat proofing a house, so that, that that's up there too. But as far as ten thousand, no, I think he got me there. But okay, so you're saying if Brandon Crawford look, he's he's the most valuable player on uh, the best team in the National League, perhaps. Like if that scenario comes to pass, what if he weren't the most valuable player on his own team? Because Buster Posey is also on this team and he is trailing Brandon Crawford by 70 at bats, which, you know, isn't that much, but he has the edge in OPS. He has the edge in adjusted OPS and he's a darn catcher. And I know shortstop might be the most valuable position. Catcher's right there. I don't know. It, it's, they're kind of neck and neck in my brain. That's a tough one. I wonder if a position player has ever won the MVP award when he hasn't had enough plate appearances to qualify for, for the batting title. Because Buster Posey's not going to make it. He's, he's not going to make it. Oh. And I don't I don't even think he's going to get close enough to where he could Tony Gwynn his way into a batting title. Like, you know, you finish 20 uh, plate appearances short, and so you just tack on an 0 for 20 uh, to your to your uh, and see what it does to your average. And if you're still number one, then they give you the batting title anyway. Um, and you could say that he has won a batting crown on a technicality because Melky Cabrera pulled himself out of the running uh, in 2012. But um, you know, yeah, I, I, you, you do the math, and he's not going to come close. Uh, he's going to finish well short of it. And you know, games played is right there on the ballot as one of the things to consider. And that's why you know you have to just be a transcendent, transcendent uh, starting pitcher. Have a just a great season for me to put you in the top five on my ballot. I, I just feel it's it's an award that's mostly for position players who play every day. 
Uh, and, and to be honest, I, I, I would probably uh, give as much consideration to a reliever because I consider a reliever more of an everyday player than a starting pitcher. So that's just my way of thinking about it. I know that there are counter arguments and they also are, are very valid. Um, but I, I would have a hard time putting Crawford or putting Posey ahead of Crawford, uh, given what the game's played uh, situation is between the two of them. I agree. I agree. That is more just a hot take. And if you go by war, uh, at least baseball references version, uh, Posey is fourth on the Giants, which I don't think war does a great job with catchers. I think they, they bring a lot more than you can get in one single uh, number. I do think war is useful in a lot of aspects. I don't know if it's great for someone like Buster Posey, but he's still fourth. Uh, he's behind uh, Disclafani, who is number three. Brandon Crawford, who is number two. And Kevin Gossman, who is number one with a 4.8 war. Uh, according to the, the cold, unfeeling stats, Kevin Gossman is the best player on the two, 2021 Giants. And what was his war, Kevin Gossman? Uh, 4.8. 4.8. So Wade Miley's got him by a whole war. He's at 5.8. So all this time we've been bandying about names. It's Wade Miley, obviously. Just look at the numbers. <laughs> Wait, I mean, you know, he does have to pitch in Cincinnati, and I guess that is something. But I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what goes into that secret sauce. I know it's not exactly like a state secret. Uh, I don't understand it as much as I just use it to say, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I will say that Wade Miley, his ERA is 2.88. His uh, FIP is 3.61. I don't necessarily understand how he's doing it, but I think the Reds are one of those teams where they're, it's a smart team and you can like sort of like air like, yeah, they, they probably have something figured out with him. Like he's just, he's got to have the pitch sequence down. I don't know. Someone's going to have to tutor me in how baseball reference calculates their war because yeah, he, he's he's not exactly like unhittable. 8.1 hits per nine innings is, is pretty average. Uh, his whip is 1.228. That's again, nothing to write home about. Strikeout to walk ratio is, you know, okay, 2.38. He's 10 and 4 with a 288 ERA. And like you said, a diff- difficult ballpark. He threw one pretty darn good complete game. It was a no hitter. But um, yeah, how how in the world is Wade Miley leading the NL in baseball reference war? I, I this is this does not compute. You know, I can give a, like a quick uh, sort of thumbnail sketch about it. A baseball references war is based on the runs they allow. Like it's it, they're not looking at anything else. Right. They're just saying uh, pitched X number of innings. He plays in this ballpark. Uh, the league average is this. Uh, this is how many runs he's allowed. Blah. That's the war. Whereas Fangraphs does a little bit more nuanced. Like, OK, this is what his uh, ERA should should be if he take his home runs allowed, his uh, strikeouts, his walks. And so if you go to uh, uh, fan graphs, his war is 13th. He's 13th in the league behind Joe Musgrove, uh, Julio Arias, uh, Adam Wainwright. Like he's he's down quite a bit. So that's the difference. I generally prefer baseball references war if I'm looking at a multiple season stretch. Uh, fan graphs, I kind of like if I'm, I'm kind of pe- taking a peek at that per, uh, pitcher's one season. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's fun to have two numbers to argue with. With, but that kind of goes to what war is. It's an imperfect stat that is very necessary. Yeah, that, that part I did know. And I know as a voter, um, when I'm looking at these awards at the end of the year, I use baseball reference war because Fangraph's war tends to be more predictive uh, versus baseball reference war is more like, okay, this is what you did. And we're, yes. not, we're not giving out MVP or Cy Young awards based on how somebody, you know, should have done or, or what they could predict to do in the future. It's, you know, it's not a future Cy Young. It's a what you did this year. So 
Um, that that part I, I was familiar with. I just it just seems like like a, a Walker Bueller should be um, should have a higher uh, war, even if it's based on the results. But um, I'll just take their word for it. Yeah, Walker Bueller, Zach Wheeler, uh, Wheeler Bueller, Zach Walker, whatever it takes. I mean, those are some good pitchers. And then you got like two goofballs in in Milwaukee who are just going nuts. So uh, interesting Cy Young race. Uh, let me talk to you. I, I was asked on KBR by Mark Willard uh, last night, friend of the program, Mark Willard. Uh, he said that. He was hearing chatter over the weekend that the Giants are too home run dependent, that uh, at some point that's the shoe that's going to drop, that if you keep waiting around for the long ball, eventually you're going to get into the postseason, meet pitchers that don't give up long balls, and poof, there goes your year. Uh, I'm not really worried about that. I think you get the sluggers first and you worry about the rest later. I think it's more station to station, singles, gap to gap teams that might have a problem. I don't know. Are people overthinking this? Am I overthinking it? I think they're dependent on on home run differential, you know, and, and not giving up home runs. I think that's as important to them as hitting home runs. Uh, and yeah, they're scoring, you know, more runs on homers uh, in terms of percentage than, than any team uh, in the league, but they also have a pretty good record when they don't hit a home run. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they're, you know, uh, nine and 30 when they don't hit a home run. They're, they're pretty close to 500, uh, last time I checked. And if I can scan the game notes, maybe I'll find an answer for you. But yeah, that's what makes me think that they don't necessarily have to rely on the homer unless the, a lot of the, the pitching and defense goes south and, and they just have to outslug a team to win games because, you know, the, the rest of the team is not holding up its weight. And that and that could happen as we get into, you know, this final stretch of the season and, and pitchers are going into the red on their innings a little bit. I mean, that, that could be the case. But um, they don't necessarily have to be too reliant on the home run if other portions of the team can step up and do their jobs, which they have at various points in the season. That, that would be my take on it. Another hot take I might have is that the Giants aren't necessarily home run dependent. They're mistake dependent. They are counting on the opposing pitcher to make mistakes. They are very disciplined as far as what they're looking for, what they will swing at, what they won't swing at. And they're looking for mistakes. And there are times when you have a guy like Walker Bueller and he's on fire and he's throwing 90 where he wants to, they're not going to do well. And so in the postseason, you might find those pitchers more. There will be regular off days. You'll have more of a four-man rotation than a five-man rotation. So that part does concern me. Like the Giants just might run into a buzzsaw of pitchers throwing the ball where they want. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem for everyone. That's going to be a problem for every single team. If you're the 1927 Yankees, it doesn't matter. So I'm not as worried about it because to say they're home run dependent, they are, but I think it's more mistake dependent. Yeah, I think that really tracks with what I've seen just from watching the games this year. And by the way, 14 and 16 is the record when they don't hit a home run. But yeah, you see them play the Dodgers and a Walker Bueller on the mound where he doesn't make any mistakes. And they have a hard time manufacturing there. They have a hard time finding ways to eke things out. So I do agree with you that when they play a team that plays very clean, doesn't really give anything away, then they may have some trouble creating on their own a little bit. But they do feast on the mistakes. And we know we've seen that Sports Info Solutions stat about giveaways and how the Giants are the best in the major leagues at the fewest giveaways per game. And they certainly do capitalize on the ones that they get, whether it's walks, hit batters, wild pitches, you know, box, uh, caught stealings. Um, anything on both sides of the ball uh, that gives you a free base or takes away a free base. So um, that, that's that's really where they've beaten teams. It's just by playing cleaner and playing better. And 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 like you said, when they get those mistakes uh, at the plate, they're they're really doing damage on them. And there are some days you're not going to get any mistakes, or you might get one or two. And 
time. Uh, you know, they'll have to find ways to eke out wins uh, against good teams, maybe in the postseason if, if that's the case. But uh, but they're, they're doing what they should do when, when teams do make mistakes, and that's capitalize on them. They've done it all year, and they've been very, very good and very consistent at it. Do you remember what your prediction was for wins for the Giants this year was do you did you have like a, a number of wins fewer than they may already have I think I yeah. I, I kind of feel like I thought they could be a 500 team I thought that would be their goal because they've never had five straight years uh, under 500 as a franchise and, and so that would really be a motivation for them to build off last year where they missed the playoffs by one game as being 500 by a game I think I would have said 82 and 80. That probably would have been my prediction. So, yeah, they only need two more, and they're right there. Yeah, I, I get paid, uh, like, every year I get roped into uh, Effectively Wild. I'm on their, their giant preview almost every year, and I get roped into giving a specific number, and I don't want to go like, oh, 90 wins, you know, because I, I just wrote an article about how they might be good in this one specific area. So I temper it, but I said 80. I said 80 this time, and they're at 80. And boy, if I'm right, this is a story. This is a story in a lot of different ways because the Giants already have 80 wins. Uh, but I just can't. I, I look at that record, 80 and 44. That is bananas. That is, I mean, I, that just sounds like a team that's like almost like the 2001 Mariners or something. Well, I think, you know, the good news is I think the odds are greater of the giant meteor hitting us and ending the season <laughs> with 80 wins than uh, the Giants going 0-38. So I, I do believe that they, I will take the over on your prediction right now. Can I put money down on that is there someone who will take the bet still uh yeah ben Lindbergh. i'll give you some <laughs> off there all right uh, sounds good all right well uh this has been episode what 156 of the bags and brisbee podcast i apologize for the first five minutes uh where there might have been a dog barking in the background but for the last 25 there has been a very heavy bony dog in my lap my voice is a little strained but you didn't hear barking so we will be back on thursday we'll uh talk about what's gone on in the first two games of the met series and uh, we will preview the atlanta series they got a lot of work to do but it's been fun so far so we will see you then thanks for listening